Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, I'm so thankful you guys are here uh, today. Uh, I really am thankful you guys are here, and I'm I'm thankful for um, the fact that if you guys saw, there's a unicorn spotting. Did you guys see the unicorn out front? Yeah, make sure you get your picture. Listen, uh, tonight at six p- uh, 5 p.m., right, Aaron? Aaron, where are you at, Aaron? Aaron? Oh, you're usually over here. Hey, Aaron, uh, tonight at 5 p.m., we are going to do uh, our trunk or treat. Um, and it's going to be really awesome. We're going to have, did you actually say we're going to have fried Oreos here? And funnel cakes here. And they're only eight bucks a piece, right? There's no charge? Oh, man. How are we doing all this? I'm paying for them. All right. So eight bucks a piece, guys. Um, so they'll be here. And people need to get here at 430, right? If you have a trunk, be here at 430. We're going to be around the circle out there. And it's going to be awesome. Now, here's the thing. It stopped raining. It's kind of misty out there. What better weather to have a trunk or treat than just a, a haze going across? How about that? Isn't that awesome? So, hey, we do this not for us, even though we can bring our chairs and hang out and talk and stuff. And that's what part I like. But we do it for our children. We do it for our children in our community and, and the school here. We do it for them. So please make sure you're here. We will have extra candy, but please come and bring, bring candy with you and we'll, we'll supply the, uh, the extra. All right. I'm glad you guys are here. Let's turn to John chapter 3, if you would. John chapter 3, I want to tell you a little bit of background as I do every week. John was defined as the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, He is answering the question um, for Jesus. He's answering the question about Jesus for those in ancient Ephesus. Um, I have told you before that the book is separated into two parts. Uh, The first part is the book of signs. The second part is the book of glory. The first one would be all he did and the second one would be uh, his giving his life over the final thing, the final thing, uh, his final, final act uh, in order that we may be saved, that we may have an opportunity to uh, enter into a relationship uh, and so that we may be delivered from our situation that we find ourselves in here with our human nature. The main goal of the book is found in John chapter 20, verse 31. And I want to look at that right now. It says, but these are written. So that, so that you may continue to what? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. What that means is, is that it, it, there, there's a caveat, there's a caveat for you to have power to live by. It's not just because you put your head down and you work really hard. It's not just because you're gifted in some way that you're better than everybody. No, it's by actually believing that Jesus and who Jesus is, what he did, and accepting that and embracing that. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, whenever, whenever uh, the writer, uh, there's, a, there's a translation called the message, which is a paraphrase, a total paraphrase. You never want to study the message, but you can read through it. And, and what it says, it says the best thing that you can do, how he puts Romans 12, 1 and 2, says the best thing you can do is to turn your life over and embrace what it is that God is doing in your life. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about John chapter 3, verses 22 to 36. And I'm just going to read through this, and then I'm going to tell you what's going on in these verses. And then we're going to try to 
take out. Today's message is one that is, is got some meat to it. It's got some application to it for your life today. Like there's things that I'm going to tell you today that you can actually start doing today in response to the life of Christ, in response to what we see with John the Baptist, you can actually start doing today that I believe will set you free. I believe it'll set you free. So let's take a look at John chapter 3, verses 22 and following. It says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, <clears throat> baptizing people. I just want to note that uh, Jesus actually wasn't the one baptizing. Uh, his disciples were baptizing. We find that out starting in chapter 4. But he was there with them and his disciples were baptizing. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing in Aenon uh, near, near Salem because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. And John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy. So I want to, when you see therefore, you always ask, what's it there for? And so what's it there for? Well, it's there for him saying, listen, it's the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply there. He's glad to stand there. So John, John the Baptist says, therefore, because of that, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, and how few believe what he tells them. Any, anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. What's going on here? Well, what's going on here is something that happens with us a lot. It is. You've got a set of disciples that are baptizing uh, with Jesus in one area. And then you've got John the Baptist, who's been pretty famous in the area. He and his disciples are baptizing in another area. And a certain Jew began to argue with one of his disciples about ceremonial cleansing. It appears as if what's going on in this setting is... The argument is less about semantics and more about you guys are doing this, but this guy over here, he's much better. This guy over here, he's much greater. As a matter of fact, and this is kind of rubbing it in, as a matter of fact, this guy is actually pulling disciples from you and your, your disciples are leaving you and going to them. And the disciple that was told this to be honest with you, was mad. 
He was mad. They were complaining to John the Baptist saying more and more people are going to Jesus and not to you. What's up with that? Don't that make you mad? Isn't that something that frustrates you? They were frustrated. They were frustrated. John's response is one that we can all learn from. It is. And I hope, I hope today more than anything else that you, for some reason in today's society, we are unsettled. Does anyone here feel unsettled? Just kind of unsettled. We're unsettled in our own skin. We're unsettled in our world. We're unsettled about things. There's just an unsettling feeling that's been there for a long, long time. And I hope today you be- will become settled. I hope you'll become settled in seeing the example of John the Baptist and embracing what Jesus is doing for you. I hope you'll become settled. And I hope it gives you peace. I do. I want to tell you a couple things about these verses. I want to jump right into the first point, and it's this. You lose the comparison game 100% of the time. I want you to hear that. You lose the comparison game 100% of the time. John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, were comparing their results with Jesus' results. They were comparing what Jesus had done. And they were getting frustrated that their efforts or that their ministry or that their job or that their work or that their, you know, baptizing that didn't appear to be as effective and appeared to be losing ground to this other over here. Listen, y'all, you lose the comparison game 100% of the time. You do. You lose it. Because even if you see yourself as greater, there's always something in your mind that says, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep doing. I've got to keep doing. I've got to keep doing. I've got. And you walk around because I want to tell you something. No matter what skill you have, no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone in the world that's better than you at it. Are you with me? Now listen, um, I think my wife is a beautiful singer. She is. But there's someone in this world that's better at her at it. I can tell you it's not me. <laughs> but there is someone that's better than her at it. Now, Wendy has an option. She can sing up here. Uh, and then on the way home, she can turn on Spotify and listen to a, another female singer singing some of the songs that she sang. And she's got two options. Either she can go home fulfilled at fulfilling what God's plan was for her and embracing that. Or she can say, man, this person can sing it so much better than I can. I don't know why I even do it anymore. Why am I even up here? Why, can, why can't I be that good? Why can't I? And listen, I know that's a, that may be a little trivial thing for you guys. But we do this all the time in our lives every single day. We do. Whenever I read this text, I immediately started thinking about a scenario that played out 
in the Old Testament. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And it's found in verses 6 through 9. 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is coming off a victorious battle that's happened. David has slain the giant. And then there was a victorious battle afterwards. And there's celebration in the streets. And verse 6 says, When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all over the town of, towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And this was their song. Are you ready for their song? Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. The next verse tells you everything you need to know. This made Saul very angry. And he said, what's this? They said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. He had done great works, David had. He had killed the giant. He was beloved because of his bravery. It was a great battle. It was a great battle for the Israelite nation. It should have been a time of celebration. It should have been a time of joyous celebration in the streets. They had done the unthinkable. What's interesting is, is just prior to this, you had Saul in a tent not willing to go and go out to battle. And so he tried to put all of his armor, weighing 50 pounds or more, on David. And he says, I, I can't wear all this. It's going to weigh me down. And that's what, and they, it was dire. They were all fearful. They trembled. And when David met the giant and defeated the giant, and who, who, who do you think directed those stones? Here's a hint. It wasn't David. It was God. God directed those stones right to his forehead. God directed those stones. So it should have been a joyous occasion. But it wasn't a joyous occasion, not for Saul, because one of the songs that they sang to celebrate was Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And instead of focusing on the overall vision in the battle, the character of Saul was revealed when he became angry and jealous. And eventually this scenario, this very thing led to the demise of Saul and the anointing and the raising up of David. One of the things you can learn from John the Baptist is he refused to play the comparison game. And I want to tell you something, so should we. I had some friends of mine a few years back, they were looking at a house to buy and they thought it was the perfect house for them. They really did. They thought it was the perfect house. They thought everything was perfect and um, things just didn't work out. They just didn't work out for them. They loved the house. They thought it was going to be a done deal. It was over. And things just didn't work out for them. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting um, because 
what ended up occurring. And I told them this. I said, listen, you have to understand, in my opinion, that's, that, that did not working out. That's someone else's blessing that God wants to bless them with. God's got your blessing, what's perfect for you. And can I tell you today that if you ask them if they're happy that that didn't work out, you know what they'd say? Yeah, we are. We're so thankful that what God had for us was better than what we thought we needed. See, instead of comparing yourself and saying, well, I really wanted this, but I only got that. In my experience, that which God gives us is always perfect. And it's always exactly what I needed at the exact time I needed. For the, if it's a house, for the exact cost I needed. For the, and I could go on and on and on because, see, in my finite mind, I see here and God sees the whole thing. And he knows those things. And so I'm going to do everything I can not to compare myself to other people or covet is what the scripture calls it. Covet what someone else is, what they have. And John the Baptist showed this very clearly. He was not interested in trying to one-up Jesus. He wasn't. I have another friend of mine, and this happens oftentimes in marriage. Um, I've seen this happen often, and it's this. It's you have a couple that are in the process of getting a divorce, and they end up getting a divorce. And for this particular person, she thought she had met her dream guy. Are you with me? Dream guy. And she was caught up in the lovey-doveys. So she got a divorce, and she married her dream guy. And two years later, I talked to her. And she's divorced again. And I said, what happened? And she said, well, I realized that marriage is hard no matter who you're with. I thought that'd get a big amen, but let me say it again. <laughs> Marriage is hard no matter who you're with. Amen. amen. It is, isn't it? It is. It is. And I found that very interesting. I think the issue in that situation was, though, was that everything would have worked out perfect except for she had to be part of the second marriage. Because there were probably issues that she needed to work on in the first marriage as well. And there definitely was with her first husband. Comparing, looking over. You know, I, I've heard a pastor say this one time. He said, look, don't compare your husband, uh, wives, don't compare your husband to some, you know, you know, some, you know, some guy that, you know, brings her wife's flowers every day and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Don't do that. Trust me, God gave you exactly who you needed. Wendy needed a pastor. <laughs> she did. And I needed a therapist. And here we are, living the dream. Living the dream. Guys, listen, you will lose the comparison game 100% of the time. I'll tell you that Lynn and I got into this when we first planted the church. We did. And I've still made mistakes, but um, I refuse to compare. I, I re Let me tell you a little behind the, here's a little behind the scenes for ministry. And I know you guys don't think about these things, but pastors think about these things. I see Jason back there shaking his head. He already knows what I'm going to say. So he does because he, he, he's been in ministry a long time and he's getting back in ministry 
or we're going to kill him. But anyway, but, uh, um, but listen, here's, here's what happens. Pastors, uh, if you're a youth pastor, you live, uh, if you have services on Wednesday night, your Wednesday night and Thursdays do well if you have a lot of people there. And if you have few people there, you're, you're down Wednesday and Thursday. And you live, as a pastor, you can live week to week by how many people showed up. And here's the sad part. You can go on that train and you can get on that train and it gets you to the point. And I'll never forget this. I was driving down. I was leaving a Wednesday night service. And uh, this was when I was at Palmetto. And and we had a pretty low number uh, for us at the time. And I was just really because I had poured so much effort into the service and so much time and so much just so much study. And I was just so ready. And and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of people there. You know what I mean? And so I was like, wow, you know, maybe I don't need to be here. I mean, all these things go through your mind. Maybe I need to quit. Maybe I need to go, you know, work at Quicksack or whatever. I mean, maybe I need to do something different. Um, and I will never forget what God spoke to me so clearly. I was driving home and I said, God, I just don't understand why more people aren't coming. Um, and he, I felt him so strongly say, well, I don't know. I don't understand why you care. And I was like, well, I care because you know, I want people to be reached for God. And so deep in my soul, he said, no, you don't. You care for your own glory. You care for your own glory. You care, you care because of what people say or how you're viewed, or you care because of what someone else's opinion is, or you care because of what someone else would say about you or how someone views you. That's why you care. And I know you guys, you guys, this may shock you guys, but God was right. He was right. He was. And so there came a point when we had been going about a year, year and a half, that I decided I was not going to count how many people came on Sundays anymore. And I don't, and I haven't. And I did that on purpose. I did. I did it on purpose. And here's the thing. Now, I will be honest with you. I, I have been critical of other churches standing up here. But that has more to do with my passion for truth and being genuine. It does. I, if I'm being honest, I probably need to do less of that anyway. You know what I mean? Because, you know, sometimes you get in the spirit. You know, I'm, I'm teaching. I'm teaching what God has to say. And then I step out of the spirit and say what I have to say. Then I go back in and teach what God has to say. Um, but I do everything. You know what I did? And you're going to think I'm crazy. But so that I wouldn't compare myself to everyone else, I went and unfollowed all of my pastor friends on social media. I did. As, long, as far as I'm concerned, Real Church is the only church that meets on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And that's the way I always want it to be. You know why? Because if I'm too busy taking and looking at all the other people and looking at what everybody else is doing, I'm not focused on the people that God sent me, which is you. And in the end, I found out that I would much rather have relationships with people on an individual basis than I would have a mega church. I don't want one. I've told God that. I don't want one, God. I don't. I want to have a mega impact, but I don't want a mega church. And I've come to the place where I don't even believe in it anymore. I don't even believe in them anymore. I don't. And I've actually questioned whether they're even biblical. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't see it, but I was doing the comparison thing. 
And Lynn and I both had to get, because we're both, we're both very competitive, kind of perfectionistic a little bit. You know, we're, we're both, we, we try to, we, we're driven. This is a whole different game here. And we both had to learn that, that this is a whole different game. And we don't want to get into compare, comparing ourselves to other people. And what happened in these verses is that John's disciples had lost track of what the mission was. The mission, and it says it in here, and this is going to go into part two, but the mission, the mission for John was not to be the Messiah. It was to prepare the way. See, John was the one that was laying out the red carpet. And John got out of the way and let Jesus come in. He was preparing the way. That was his role. That's why John said, listen, I've already told you plainly, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not at all. You guys, I want you to be encouraged and tell you that you will lose the comparison game 100% of the time. And I also want to tell you this. The enemy uses the comparison game to trip you up, to keep you discouraged, and to make you think less of yourself than God thinks of you. And I want you to hear that. The next thing I want to tell you is this. Our assignment is from God. It is. John 3.27. Let's read John 3.27. It says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it to him from heaven. John 1, uh, James 1.17 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting Shadow In 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11, he gets into talking about these gifts. And he says, God has given each of us, each of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them. Here it is. Use them well to serve one another. Here's what he doesn't say. Y'all can leave that up there. Here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say, use them so that you can Start a ministry and then compare yourself to other people because you feel like that you don't measure up even though you're following what God would have you do. The key is for you and me is to follow what God would have you do because God is the one that gives you your mission, your assignment, and your gifts. He gives you your mission and assignment and a gift. John, what he does, John the Baptist is validating that Jesus' ministry is from heaven. He's validating that he himself is not the Messiah. And in John 3.28, let's take a look at what it says, John 3.28. It says this. It says, you yourself know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way. John had his assignment it was to prepare the way. And Jesus had his assignment. It was to deliver us from our sin. And you and me, we have our assignment. And for each one of us, that's different. It's a different assignment. And it makes your assignment no less valuable than mine. Just because I'm up here speaking, let me tell you what I could not be doing right now. I could not be chasing around three-year-olds in the gym. Yes, especially your kid, RJ, in the gym. The younger girl. She's a spitfire. We have a lot of female attitudes within our fifth five-year-old and down. We just do. I'll just leave it at that. All right? A lot of attitude. A lot of personality going on there. Raised to strong women, a lot of personality. 
I could not do that. I could not do that. I want to tell you what I would have done. Let me just tell you a quick story. Hall's Grocery Store. Does anyone know where Hall's is off Fisher Road? It's Hall's right there. I don't know how long it's been. I know it closed, but it was there forever. My wife went out of town for a week, and I had to take care of my son. And I had to take care of my daughter. And I did. Every morning for breakfast, we stopped by Hall's and got a Snicker and a Mountain Dew. (laughs) And my son and daughter thrived off of the Snickers and Mountain Dew every morning. I said, what would you guys like? And they said, pizza. I said, I'm in. The next day, what would you guys like? How about Papa John's? I'm in. How about chicken fingers? I'm in. How about, I'm literally sitting here describing Sawyer Durden's meal. That's, this is Sawyer Durden's life. It is. If you know Sawyer, you know what I'm saying. I'm literally, as I'm calling this out, I'm going, I'm doing Sawyer. But literally, I promise you, when he got back, she was like, why did we spend $450 on food this week? I said, hey, McDonald's, Zaxby's, that stuff gets expensive. I wasn't cut out for that. Are you with me? But that doesn't mean that I'm any less valuable in what God has called me to do. And your value, your value, and I'll say this, your value and your self-esteem, if you want to call that psycho, psychological word, listen, your self-esteem is not about feeling good about yourself. Your self-esteem is what Holy Spirit is doing in you and connecting with the mission that God has you on. And your mission is different than mine. And John the Baptist's mission was different than Jesus. But John the Baptist was wise enough and connected enough with what God wanted to do to realize that he, he had to prepare the way and that he was not the Messiah. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse. And I'm going to, Dan, I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but there's nothing worse than someone that feels called to sing and can't. It's a hard conversation. It's like, listen, I love you. You know, my daughter, my daughter, whenever she went to uh, went to private school, we thought, well, she's really going to thrive. And she actually did thrive. Um, And it was so funny, though, because she came in and she's like, hey, dad, I want to try out for volleyball. And I said, "Okay, sounds great. Now, let me say something to you. My daughter is not an athlete. Okay, she's not an athlete. Um, I can't express that enough. Uh, and so, but I'm thinking, hey, it's a smaller private school. She'll be fine. So I dropped her off at tryouts for, uh, for volleyball. And, and it's funny because they really didn't have tryouts. If, if you had a pulse, you were on the team. Are you with me? It just so happened, though, that this school, this particular school, it's the purple one down the street, but I'm not calling its name. Not inside these hallowed walls. Anyway, it's Trinity. Trinity, Trinity just so happened to have a five-time state champion volleyball team. And my daughter. And my daughter comes out there, and I, I, she, it was weird because she, she got her pink razor phone out and texted me and said, pick me up. And I said, I thought the tryouts were going to be two and a half hours. I thought you were going to have practice. She said, Dad, just come pick me up. I said, all right. So I drove down. I picked her up. I said, hey, what's going on? She said, it was a nightmare. I said, what happened? She said, Dad, balls were flying everywhere. I got hit in the head. 
I said, all right, girl, but it's a sport. No, Dad, you don't understand. I said, well, what happened? She said, well, I got back there and I put a fist up. If you ever know anything about volleyball, you don't put a fist up, but that's what she did. And she hit the ball and she said, Dad, I hit the ball hard and it went that way. And then it went that way. And then I got hit in the face. And then, and she kept going on and on and on. And I said, well, well, so you didn't make the team? She said, Dad, about 20 minutes in, the coach called me to the side and said, we really are in need of a manager. We really need a manager, and you're the one for the job. And she said, no, I'm not the one for the job. And I'm not good at volleyball either. And the coach said, no, you're not. That's okay. There's something else out there you can do. And there was something else she could do. And it's so funny because thankfully this was not a situation where her heart was set on it because she was laughing about the whole thing. She did. Some of her friends were on the team and they got to, you know, give her, give her the business afterwards. But, but here's the thing. She's not, she wasn't cut out for that. She wasn't. That wasn't her thing. That wasn't her thing. But I'll tell you what is her thing. You know, we went on a cruise with them. We took them on a cruise a couple of weeks ago. And my daughter would spend hours literally hours sitting and talking to strangers like she would sit down and just start talking to these ladies and I this happened five or six times on the trip we would be walking and I would see her and I'd say hey come on down and the ladies would yell you raised such a good daughter she is so awesome and I'm like I know right it was all about me Wendy didn't do anything it was me but anyway <laughs> No, literally, they would say that. You know why? Can I tell you why? God didn't create Bailey to be a, a volleyball player. But you know what he did create her to be? Empathetic toward other people's pain. A heart for other people's pain is what he created. A listening ear that sat and listened for hours. She came down and she said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. There's this lady that was going to travel with her friend. And her daughter and, and, and her daughter's fiance, who is the friend's son, they were going to go on a cruise together. And dad, they split up. And this lady said, I'm not losing my $500. And so this lady called the other lady and said, you take your son. Remember, they're broken up. You take your son on the cruise. I'm taking my daughter on the cruise. And we're staying in our room and y'all can stay in yours. And they were there on the boat. And I was expecting a fight the whole time, but I never saw it. And I was like, Bailey, just out of curiosity, how did you find this out? She said, Dad, I've been talking to her for like two and a half hours. And that's what her heart is. And so the question would be, what's your heart? What's your assignment from God? What gifts have you been given? And when you look at those gifts and when you identify those gifts... Are you going to be someone that compares your gift to someone else? Are you going to be someone else that says, my assignment is not great enough? My, I want my assignment to be over here. And if you're doing that, then I would encourage you that you may be wanting the glory more than you're wanting God's will. You may be wanting the accolades more than you're wanting to see his kingdom come. And I would check your heart with that. And I would encourage you not to compare, not to compare your life, your stuff, what you have.
Because all of it is a gift from God. And my final point is going to be this. How do you do this? Let me tell you how you do it. Let's bring up the final point today, and I'm going to end on this. Jesus must increase, and we must decrease. Jesus must increase, and we must decrease. It's so funny, there's a country song. Uh, My wife hates it when I listen to old country. But I think there's old country and then there's whatever that garbage is on the radio today. Are you with me? You know, I, now when I say old country, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Conway. All right. I'm talking about Conway Twitty. How many people here know who Conway Twitty is? You other poor saps need to get a life. <laughs> but I think it's, I think Alabama sang this song. It's the closer, the, the, the closer you get, the further I fall. I'll be over the edge now in no time at all. I'm falling faster and faster and faster with no time to stall. And I've used this so many times, but for me, for me, that song kind of, I look at that and I'm like, you know what? Uh, now, I'll be honest with you. There's some love stuff in the song. Don't be thinking I'm weird on Jesus or anything. I mean, there's some weird stuff in the song. Don't we? I'm just saying the theme of the song is like, you know what? That's what I want to be. I, I, I want to get so close to Christ that I am nothing and he is everything. And I never want to come up here and try to impress you. And I never want to come up, and I never want our praise team to come up here and try to impress you. And I don't want our children or youth or, or on and on. I don't want none of the, any of those people, the multimedia, you know, all of our, I don't want any of that stuff to impress you. What I want you to come in and see is Jesus Christ living in all of us who have decreased so that he can increase. Be encouraged today that you don't have to compare your lives, your stuff, or anything else because you lose that game. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged that when you allow him to increase in your life and you decrease, be encouraged that you will walk out your mission and it'll be exactly, it'll be, it'll feel so right and so natural. People always ask me, isn't it hard to do this on Sunday mornings? I'm like, no, this is, this is, this is the rewards. You know what I mean? I'm eating cake up here. I mean, this is it. You know, all the stuff during the week is the tough stuff. This is easy. This is nothing. No. I could do this all day, every day. You know what I mean? But this is the, this is the, the reward because it feels so natural and so, it's so right. Don't try to fit your mission. Don't try to make your mission something that you think is going to give you the glory. I will tell you that if your mission is from God, it will always reflect back on who he is. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you that you give us this mission. Thank you for John the Baptist. Thank you for his example. Thank you that he knew, he knew who he was, what his mission was, and he refused to play the comparison game. He refused to play the comparison game. Lord, thank you that 
you have put in us a mission for you, a mission that glorifies you. Lord, my prayer today is, is that people would not look for their own glory and they would not look for something to fulfill them other than you. God, I know that nothing fulfills our heart like you. Lord, let us step off the comparison train. And Lord, as we do, I pray that you will let us walk out. Give us clear, clear instructions on what to walk out. And let us operate within the mission and the ministry that you have given us. And Lord, more than anything else, let us decrease so that you may increase. That needs to be our prayer today. That we decrease so that Jesus increases. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song. The altar is always open here. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.